Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. In your Bibles, if you could, I want to show you something. Oh, by the way, that's what these cards are for. I'm a terrible announcement giver. These cards, it gives you more information, shows you how to give when you get home. Take this with you. It's yours. Put it in your purse. Put it on your fridge. Please pray, 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 give, pray, 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 and then give again. And let's really uh, touch these kids that are in dire need. Um, I got up this morning and I was casually reading through the Bible, very assured that I had my message down. I was very excited about it. And then like about uh, 8.30, the Lord just gave me a download on some stuff and I, I feel compelled uh, to share it. And so we're gonna, we're gonna go there. So turn with me, you can, the book of Revelation. And I want to talk, <clears throat> I want to talk about a couple things meshed together, and I apologize ahead of time if, it, if it's not real smooth, it's, it's because it's, it's very much off the cuff. And, uh, but I, I felt that the way it came to me initially was, um, was observation. I read a, a random verse in my daily devotions this morning that just struck my heart. It's not going to mean anything to you, but it was, it, was when, it was when Moses saw the burning bush and he turned aside to observe it. And the word observe stuck in my spirit because I feel right now in America, we are being awakened. And four people agree. I... Sorry, I'm still in the emotion of it, but we're being awakened right now. It's so good. I've got the right crowd to preach to today. Because I want to awaken you to what's going on right now and, how, and what we need to do as a result of what's going on. These moments, these minutes, these hours, these days right now are precious and have been seen for, for hundreds of generations looking to hope that would rescue this world and create eternal life for all of us. I feel the saints of old, Peter, the Apostle Paul, Catherine of Siena, Patrick, Francis of Assisi. I feel they all look to this day. And we welcome, not in a weird way, but we welcome them as a part of the cloud of witnesses into this place right now to observe whatever they do in heaven, to pray, to cry out, and say, may this be the time when creation groans for the sons and daughters of God to come forth because creation is groaning right now. Our nations are groaning. No one even knows where to look or what to believe in. But Jesus Christ is emerging in just the right moment. So this verse came to me out of Revelation 19. We're gonna look at verse nine through 16 and I'm gonna go some other places and we'll see what happens. But Revelation 19 says this, it says, then he said to me, this is John, the apostle, in his continued revelation of the book of Revelation. He sees Jesus again. Now remember John. John is an expert in Jesus. <laughs> he has a PhD in it. He leaned his head upon the chest of Jesus. He probably knew Jesus maybe more than anyone else. And for whatever reason, the grace is upon his life. The Lord says, this guy will not die a, a martyr's death. 
the rest of you, you're going to die martyrs' deaths. But why not this man? There was something so tuned in with John. He knew the love of Jesus. He knew Jesus as a shepherd. He knew Jesus as the kind eternal father who knew Jesus as, as a personal friend who at every outing and every situation, he got the primo seat. Other apostles wanted to kind of talk about that. Like, who's gonna be seated at your right hand? And he said, these are not things you should know. But we know who he was at, at his right hand then. It was John. John, they believe he was 17 years old. Jesus would have been 30, 31, 32, 33 during this time. He loved John. John recognized it and even called himself in the book of John, John, the beloved of Christ. He knew his role. He knew his position. He knew his love. Disciples didn't like that, I don't think, but he knew who he was. And so in Revelation, he's seeing the new Jesus. He's seeing Jesus 2.0 resurrected Christ sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, ruling over the nations until the world, the nations become his footstool. This is a different kind of Jesus that he's seeing. And here he describes it right here. He says to me, right, blessed are those, this is the, this is the angel speaking to him, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. Did you know that? Did you know that the, the world started with a problem with food and ended with a solution of food? From the apple, from a taste, to the marriage supper, the lamb, a table prepared in the midst of the enemies, anointing our head with oil, what an amazing thing. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at my feet to worship him. This is the angel, to the angel. And he, said, he said to me, see that you do not do that. In 21st century vernacular, he said, stop it. What are you doing? I mean, John was so overwhelmed, he fell down to worship, not realizing this isn't God, this is an angel. He said, I'm your fellow servant. I'm just like you. And of your brethren who had the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we're gonna talk a little bit about testimony here in a minute, if I can get to it. He said, now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which it, with it he will strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads on the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of the almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, he's tattooed on his thigh. It says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, when you know the end of a story, doesn't that change everything else? Isn't that something they avoid in our modern entertainment? You know, you want to hint at it. This is how it ends, but you don't know. You're not sure what's gonna happen. Something might happen along the way that 
is a little bit different. There might be someone elected that you didn't elect. There might be a, there might be a, uh, a pandemic that would come along. There might be a housing crisis, a bubble that bursts. There might be runaway inflation, people standing at food lines. You might go to, you might have worked your way down from Whole Foods to Trader Joe's to Giant Eagle to Aldi's. And you're not getting the same thing. And you're feeling distressed. You're overwhelmed. I want to tell you something. We know the end of the story. The end of the story. (laughs) I tell you, I know we love to think, we love to put Jesus in a box. We say, Jesus is this way. He's this way. I saw a picture of him. And he had a little lamb in his arms. And he was stroking the little lamb. Jesus is a shepherd. Well, I saw him, he was with a little boy and he was down on his knees talking to the little boy and the disciples were angry that the little boy jumped through the hoops and got in front of Jesus and I said, get out of here, little boy. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, suffer the little children that they may come unto me. I mean, we see that Jesus. We see Jesus as the one that kicks the door down and, and fights till I'm found. We see that Jesus. We have all these imaginations. Few of us think of this Jesus. Let me introduce you to the new Jesus. The one who is in heaven waiting to pull all this together. You as a follower of Jesus Christ will be in those armies on those white horses someday. You say, how do you know this? Because it's in the word of God. In fact, throughout the word of God in places like 1 Thessalonians, very odd places to be, the Lord says that he will come and catch you away. People have argued for hundreds of years, well, is he really gonna catch you away? Is that gonna be before or during or after the great tribulation of the Lord? You know, part of me's like, I don't care. I just wanna be caught away. Like every Monday, I wanna be caught away. I call it a day off. And so I catch away to something else, like spreading mulch or something like that. But it's, it's something different, you know. And so we want to be caught away. We want to be taken away. We want things to be different. I'm telling you, we have a hope in Jesus Christ that is meant to stir you deep inside, even during your darkest hour, Vern. Even during your darkest hour, hope still rises inside and there's a reason for it because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The seed of faith has been planted into you and although you may at times kind of veer off a little bit, there's some ebb and there's some flow and there's some ebb and there's some flow. But I'm telling you at the core, faith is growing in your heart. You're going from faith to faith, from strength to strength and from whatever the other one is, the other one. Glory to glory. So I'm not like faith to doubt. My walk is not gonna be like this. I don't feel like I'm advancing in the Lord. I don't understand it, I'm moving. I'm doing stuff. I can see it, but faith to faith, strength to strength, glory 
to glory. You've been, ever been in a hard driving rain without an umbrella? What do you do? You keep moving. You put your hand up. You guard yourself. You look down and say, look, I know the direction I'm going in. I'm going to keep moving toward Jesus Christ. I fix my eyes on him. But all that starts with a flicker. This is a little flicker. And that is what I really want to talk about. So turn with me if you can over to, uh, let's see, we're going to do that. No, we're going to skip that. We're going to skip that too, but I'll refer to it here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And while you're turning there, I want to just refer to two passages just to give you an idea that this is in Scripture. So in Psalm 66, it says this. Keep going to Hebrews 11. Psalm 66 says this. It's, just this amazing, it's an amazing psalm about worship. Both of these are. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all the earth. Sing all the honor of his name. You know it, you've heard it before. But it gets down to verse five and it says, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. Come and see. I love that the chosen, you know, the TV show. I love that they have hats. I've got one of them. I'm on my lawn with it, you know. It says, come and see. Everybody probably wondering, what does come and see mean? I'm hoping they ask. If they ask, they're gonna say, well, it's an invitation. The Lord wants you to see the wonderful works that he can bring into your life if you'll open your door for him to come in. Come and see, come and see. You see it all throughout the Psalms, various places. Come and see, come and see what the Lord has done. And he is awesome in his, in his doing towards the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. He went through a river on foot. They... There we will rejoice in him. Now we go to Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. They're very present help in trouble. We know that passage. But what you may not know is further down there in verse eight, it says, come, behold the works of the Lord who has, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. There's an assurance Given in the Psalms, in the midst of everything else, that look, invite people to see that you stand in a different place even though you stand where they are. That there's an enviable desire in the world to follow Christians as they follow Christ and eventually become a follower themselves. Somewhere in the epistles it says, live such a godly life among the pagans that they will, what's it say? No, oh, caught you off guard there. That they will see your good works and glorify God. Something like that. That there's something about observation. That you are observing the things of God, inculcating that into your life Others are observing you. All my neighbors know that we're believers. Worse yet, they know that we're pastors. You know, it's just a scary thing to have a pastor living next door. One of my neighbors has been my next door neighbor for 25 years. One across the street's about 23 years. One next door is a newbie, but he's the head of uh, our association. He's a great guy, he and his wife. And uh, we, just, we just love on him. We just love on them. And how do, how do they observe it? Well, I mow my lawn. I, I do mulching. I, 
You know, I'm in a neighborhood where that's, that's a way of speaking to the goodness of God. There's observation that begins to take place. If I live my life partying all night long at my house, trust me, they would not like me very much. That's not the kind of neighborhood I'm in. But they observe something different. So let's go to Hebrews. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, I wanna talk about, and, and you're gonna need a little bit of discernment here because uh, uh, this, this is a little complex in thinking. But it's, what, it, what this is is an autopsy of faith. Like how does faith rise up? How does faith develop? So we're, we're going ahead and looking at it, doing an auto autopsy of, of what is really there. What are the components? You know, I watch FBI all the time, international, regular FBI, all of them. You know, I watch them all the time. And in FBI, they always want to go to the root. Where did this begin? There's fingerprints on the gun, but, but whose fingerprints are those? Did they have that gun in their possession? <clears throat> or these fingerprints from someone else? So in an autopsy, we're going back and we're going, doing an investigation at this point to see what is the origins of faith in the midst of a corrupt and difficult culture, which we are in right now. But there's signs. And for you who will observe, faith will begin to grow in your heart. So let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 11 because a testimony is being established right now in America. A testimony. That's where it all ends. The faith ends with a, a person with a testimony or a group of people with a testimony. It starts out saying, I don't know if there is a God and it ends up saying, let me tell you about my God. Come and see. Come and experience. Watch my life and taste the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in an ordinary person touched by heaven and see what it's all about because you may want that too. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, we all know this verse very well. It says, now faith is the substance. Let's, let's analyze this again. Okay, so faith is the issue here, but it's going backwards. It's building what faith is. Faith is a substance, in the Greek word, this word basically means realization. So faith is the realization of things hoped for. How many of you have a hope for something, like a bucket list? You know, anyone here have one of those? You know, I hope to, you know, go to Europe someday, or I hope to have a nice car someday, or I hope to... to be able to be alive to all my kids' marriages or graduations. I mean, those kinds of things. Those are hopes, you know. Their hopes are kind of stirring around in there. And hope is like a friend of faith. Hope actually kind of keeps you going, but it's, it's not everything that you need. To travel the road of hope, as opposed to hopelessness, to travel the road of hope, you need to see evidence along the way that this hope is a possibility. And so what it says here is faith is a realization of things hoped for. In other words, it's that striking moment when you realize, I, I think this is gonna happen. I think I'm in love. You know what I'm talking about if you're married? Somewhere, there was a hope that someday, maybe you'd get married. 
And all of a sudden you hear a Canadian voice in the distance. <laughs> and you go over to that Canadian voice, not knowing that God has already prepared you in secret without you even knowing that this person was coming and where they were from and what it's like where they live, New Brunswick, Canada. So that hope was stirred by observation. <laughs> Made everyone nervous there, didn't you? Woo. I'm observing right now. Listen to that voice. Look at that amazing sundress. This is 1976. Sundress that she has on. Look at her beautiful hair. I'm just adoring the glory of God and how he shaped and made people. I said, I, I got to marry, marry that woman. It's the first time I saw her. I got to marry that woman. I went over and got rid of the guy that was talking to her. <laughs> He's done well, so don't worry about him. I said, who are you? My name's Cindy. Wow. See, I've gone from hope to observation. Something struck my heart where it's like this. There's a possibility. It doesn't always work out. I want to go for those of you who are still hoping that girl likes you. That's called stalking now. Don't do it anymore. <laughs> Let God supernaturally open the door. But during this time of observation, everything she said was like, check, check. I can make that a check. <laughs> check. Our first date, went out to a pizza place. I honored her by ordering Canadian bacon <laughs> on the pizza. I was at a pizza place. They brought the Canadian bacon out. It was really hot, sizzling hot. We're at first date, you know, just kind of our best behavior, you know. Pizza's probably not the best thing to eat on your first date. You know, it's kind of sloppy. But anyway, we're eating the pizza. She takes a bite of the pizza. The Canadian bacon stuck to the roof of her mouth, and she spit it on the table. <laughs> and I thought, maybe this is a Canadian custom. <laughs> maybe I need to do it too. I didn't do it, but I thought about it. And I, it burned her mouth, but it was endearing. I mean, it was my initial response. Do I pass the test? Well, I was like, oh, that stupid Canadian bacon and getting angry. Uh, uh, waiter, come over here. I mean, you know, this is a test, you know. But the peace of God that passes all understanding came upon Steve. Why? Because observation was leading to a greater relationship a greater understanding of not only who this person was, but how this person fits into my destiny and how I fit into her destiny, and it's a beautiful thing. When love strikes your heart, it is a picture of that. It's a picture that makes no sense at all. Sometimes it just makes no sense at all. In fact, sometimes you check off boxes that you didn't even have. Check, you know. She likes a bicycle ride. Oh, check. <laughs> I've never been on a bicycle. I mean, you know, it's that kind of a thing where you're like, I don't care anymore. I'm all in on this relationship right now. And whatever it takes, I'm going to make this thing work. That's what you do when you're in love. You get stupid. <laughs> and you think I'm being stupid. Exactly, you're in love. Some people go to their mom and say, Mom, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? I feel this. I get kind of hot when I'm around this girl. Just like I perspire and I, you know, and she's just like, oh, okay, okay, you know. And you're describing it all. And you're like, what, 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 what? She goes, well. You may not want to hear it, but I think you're falling in love. No, no, it can't be that. You know, but you realize something almost involuntarily begins to happen. It's the same way with faith. 
Faith starts stirring. It plays in the playground of hopelessness. And it starts stirring. What if? What if Jesus is coming back? What if he is coming with a sword in his mouth? What if he's tattooed with faithful and true upon his thigh? What if he's riding a white horse with a big army behind him? What if? What if? What if? And people are discovering that all over the world right now. It's the wooing of the power and presence of Christ. We wanna see him only as the shepherd with the little sheep or the shepherd with the little boy holding him in his arms, whatever it is that you've got a picture of. But I'm telling you, you're gonna see Jesus in a whole new way someday. And he's coming back to wage war against the nations. You want to be on the right side when that day comes. But right now he's waging war in the macro, he's waging it in the micro, he wages it across America, he wages it in your heart. And in, and in Hebrews 11, it says this, it says, well, it's a realization. Faith is an awakening of things hoped for. Does that make sense? You're waking like, hey, let me tell you something. Last week, I've, I've talked to numerous people, they're all saying almost the same thing. The last week when Roe v. Wade was, was uh, downgraded to the, uh, I should say upgraded, to the, to the state rights where every state would decide, which is where it should have been all along, and then we can, we can work this out state to state, you know. But when it, when it went down, people started rejoicing, Christians started rejoicing because it had been almost 50 years of prayer and toil toward that, and immediately we got rebuffed by Christians saying, oh, you shouldn't glory in this, and I'm thinking, I know we should, we should because we are seeing something right now that is a harbinger of things to come. Things are turning around in America. This is not some pro-American speech, although I love America. I love America. I've been all over the world. I love every country I go to for different reasons, but I love America. I love the freedom we have here. I love the fact that we can argue and not be thrown in jail, at least until recently. I mean, we could do that. There's, there's a freedom and openness to, to express who we are, to love Jesus, to worship God, to do what we're doing right now. Some countries you cannot do this, but in America, you can still do it. And so there, when this happened, on the day it came down, almost like out of the blue, I mean, even pro-life people were not anticipating it like that, although we did have a little hint about a month ago. But when it came, it was like surreal. I mean, it was like, woo -hoo. Woo! Woo! Yeah! I mean, it was, a, it was a progressive time capsule that was a time release capsule that slowly took a minute, like there's disbelief, unbelief, what's going on? What we saw, though, was substance. There's an opening of faith for something bigger, and the bigger thing is the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what's opening up right now. Even this past week when... Uh, the, the football coach who kneeled down. And I, I, you know, I don't understand why this was a big deal, but it, but it was, and he, he was being sued. And it went to, somehow it worked its way up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court came down and said, you know, he can do that. He can kneel down and pray as long as that's not under the, you know, the auspices of him being the coach with his team or whatever. 
uh, but it's still being interpreted what it really means. But what happened was that, that six out of nine Supreme Court justices, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Is this because they were picked or selected? I mean, I believe that. I believe, I believe in the system and what God works through the system and all that. But it's more than that. There's a moment right now where the Lord is pinching things. He's coming in. He's touching things. And there's indicators. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've been following... Uh, Oh, who's my, uh, my uh, shoot, uh, Peterson, um, Jordan Peterson. If you follow him, this guy is on a march to, to figure out the justice for the nations, the, the, how justice works in the nations. And he's showing up in different shows. And of course, uh, people are trying to make him look like a fool, but the guy's brilliant. You just cannot listen to him and not feel that God is speaking through him. That said, I do not know if he's a believer. I've watched all the videos you have. I do not know if he's a believer. I do not know what his full intention is. All I do know is that for whatever reason, God is using him right now. In this moment, we're seeing another one of those little signs. These are signs of the hope that is coming. God is building our faith right now so that we can rise up in confidence and boldness. It says right here in scripture, if you don't believe me, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. You know what evidence really means? Confidence. It's a confidence like it goes, it's like, well, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. And then something opens up, a, a substance of some sort. And you go, well, I, I don't know. I know. I see that. I understand that. But I don't know if that's how it's going to turn out. And then something else happens. You're like, you know, once, two th- once it happens twice, there's a pattern now. And you're like, maybe we're in a moment. Maybe we're in a moment. Maybe this is like a great awakening. Maybe people that would have sought and seen things before would now be observing, like I am, that things are beginning to connect. Dots are beginning to connect. I'm telling you, it's working toward a national testimony of some sort for this nation. Call it an awakening. Call it a revival. Call you whatever. Does that mean we're not going to go through great inflation? We're already there. Does that mean that, that millions of people just streaming across the border that we don't know who they are is going to stop? It's already there. It kind of has nothing to do with that in one level. What it does have to do is God's awakening a nation right now. He's starting to insert things back in that if we will observe, and rather than be the late adopter that goes, well, you know, I believe it when I see it. Well, the Bible actually says you believe it. Faith is when you believe before you see it. In fact, faith is an operative of the invisible realm. You've got to interpret what's going on in your own life and say, I'm heading in a better direction. Why? Well, my oatmeal just tastes really good this morning. Is that it? It doesn't matter. Somehow faith is rising in your heart because of that oatmeal. You read, a, you read a scripture. You ever get up, you read a scripture, it's like exactly for where you are that day, you're like, oh my gracious, sweetheart, come here a minute. Listen to this. You share it. She goes, well, why is that important? Well, because of what I'm going through, you know, and you try to make the parallel. You can't see what you can't see. But believers that are followers of Jesus, you start seeing stuff, you start putting it together. And so it says faith, it's, it's that it's that hint, that understanding, and you latch onto it and say, I believe in God that this is the beginning of something great for our nation. Do not sit here and say, well, we need a few more things to happen before I'm going to begin, begin to believe that. No, faith is about unseen. By the time you see it and you get faith for it, like, oh, I believe now, nation's turning. You missed the whole point of it all along. 
that it was to remove hopelessness and put a testimony upon you that would keep you for the rest of your life. <clears throat> Middleburg's not like this. It says this in verse three, verse two. <laughs> Verse one, evidence of things not seen, for by it, so by what? By realization and confidence, substance and evidence, for by it the elders obtained what? A good testimony. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When things begin to happen and you get established in a story that says, God is good, God is moving. I feel him in my life. I see the hints all around me. It's like looking at one of those puzzles that, you know, I, I talked about last week, you know, I looked at one that said, you know, you're in the top 10% of intelligence in the United States. It's all trying to lead you to a product. But anyway, it did encourage me for a moment. That in the top 10% of the intelligence in the United States, if you can find two cats in this picture. Uh, oh, that's not a cat. No. This is an old lady sitting in a chair like, there's no cat there. Oh, this is something that it's going to be hard to see. So what do you do? You stare at it. You stare at it and you stare at it and you go, I see one cat, but I don't think there's two cats. Maybe it's a trick, like it's one, two. The same cat. Look at him in a different eye, I don't know. But then I studied another 60 seconds. I don't know if there was a time limit on it or not. Another 60 seconds, I had two cats. I saw two cats, I'm in the top 10% of intelligence in the United States. How many of you believe that? Yeah, I didn't think so. But the point is, there's something there you can't see until you see it. And sometimes you can see it and then walk away five minutes and come back and not see it. Where's the two cats? Uh, I think it was right here. It's there. I saw it. That's called witnessing. <laughs> I've seen the cat. It's there. Let's stare at him in it. And all of a sudden your friend goes, I see the cat. See, their intelligence is going up right there. Such is the kingdom of heaven. You will see things that others do not see. And it says you will gain a testimony. And by faith, we understand. That this is, I got to finish with this. But verse three, by faith, we understand worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. So as you grow in faith, you will see things, you will observe things, you will attach hope to it because your faith is growing. I think actually America can be changed. I think America will be changed. I think God will save America. What that looks like, I don't know. But I can feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones and that's, that's one evidence. But I talk with others, that's another evidence. I read in the word of God the hope that when God speaks his word, things happen, nations shift, just like it did in Revelation chapter 19. Verse four says this, by faith Abel offered to more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. There's even a testimony in heaven. God says, hey, you see my servant Steve. He's believing in me all of a sudden. He testifies of his gifts and through it, he, though he being dead, still speaks. In other words, this testimony goes beyond Abel's life that even out of the soil, the testimony still speaks through the blood that was shed. Let me tell you, the Bible says there's better blood than the blood of Abel. It's the blood of Jesus. 
It still speaks. The blood of Jesus is being poured out in our communities right now. Do not, do, do not, do not get concerned when things start breaking out across America throughout this summer. Pray. Stand in it and know, as the Bible says, lift up your eyes when these things happen for your redemption draws nigh, comes near. There's, and that may not be the end of times, but it's like there's something that's about to turn. But if we do not engage at a deep level, it may never happen. Let's stand together if we could. <clears throat> you know, there's great stories on this, illustrations. Exodus 3, I referred to earlier. Moses turned aside to see the great sight, the bush that was burning but not consumed. What did he do? He realized, wow. In his observation, a voice came out of the bush and began to instruct him about what he was to do. Don't get flipping about observation. We're in a time right now, we are seeing fingerprints. This Roe v. Wade thing, I'm telling you, is a fingerprint. And you're going to see more of those and they're, oh, it's really wild. I mean, oh, in this time, in this place that these things are happening, there is a move of God. He told me months ago there'd be a cognitive move of God. I talked about it here. It's going to be a move of mind changes. We're going to see a lot of key people because the Lord loves to call exemplars around the nation to rise up. Changes their mind through the influence in their life. They begin to speak out and it affects the rest of us. We're gonna see minds changing. Sides are dividing up. That's why I'm choosing other stores to shop at right now. You know, it's a mind shift, a mind change. I wanna do with business here. I don't really wanna do business there. It's aligning ourselves. We're getting faith. We're understanding God is on the move and he's about to turn this nation around. I believe that we are the outer edges right now of a great awakening in the United States. And if you gave me time, I, could, I think I could prove it to you. In Genesis 28, Jacob turns aside, just like Moses, in a place called Luz. He has a dream about stairway to heaven, angels going, coming back. He wakes up and he says, God was in this place. I did not know it. I'm telling you, God, right now, is wake up. He's in this place and you do not know it. He's in this place and I didn't know it. I'm talking about this place and time right now. He is in control, moving the nations right now. And all we can see is the negative. Stop watching the news. Seriously. I stopped a while back, man. It, de it depolluted, <laughs> cleared out, cleansed my mind and brought hope back in. Hope started springing up. Attach it with faith, great things happen. I'm gonna have a testimony. God was in this place and did not know. Finally, Acts 11.6 says this. Peter was telling others about what happened with Cornelius. Remember the Roman centurion who was giving of alms. He was not a believer. He was giving of alms and he was praying. He was mimicking the Jews. He wanted to be a Jew. He, he honored them and admired them, even though he was a Roman. And he saw them. <clears throat> and you know the story, but the Bible says that the Lord raised up a monument in the heavens that caught notice of the Lord. And he sent an angel to Cornelius. And you know what happened? He was already dealing with Peter who represents the church. Cornelius sent emissaries to go over to Peter. Peter ministers to them and the whole house 
gets saved, but as he's explained, he had to defend himself to the church. He had to go back to the church and say, what were you doing ministering in the house of a Gentile, a Roman centurion? So Peter starts to explain it and he says this, when I observed it intently and considered, see that? I observed intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. You imagine the apostles like, and how is that an illustration? He's seeing something he didn't see, hadn't seen before. That these animals that they wasn't allowed to eat according to Jewish law were actually Gentiles. And that God was opening the door to the Gentiles. You can't see what you can't see. Elisha and his servant. The servant comes in and says, there's a multitude of our enemies around us. They've surrounded us. We're all gonna die. America's gonna go down a quick slide into hell itself, you know. And Elisha calmly trimming up his beard. It's not in scripture, I added that. <laughs> trimming up his beard. He said, Lord, oh Lord, <laughs> open these eyes. He just said he saw it. Servant goes out, looks outside the tent. Enemies are still there. But he sees that between the enemies and Elisha are the armies of God standing there. Angels, warriors standing there. Oh, that makes a difference. May God open your eyes today to see that the enemies that you see, there's an army between you and them. Trust in the Lord. Let's bow our heads before the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.